Hey everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. At this time, I haven't, uh, I'm still processing everything, you know, obviously we just finished the season, so uh, I'm going to take the next little bit here and, you know, think about everything. You know, obviously with the way we finished and, and it, it's not where we want to be, obviously, and I got to take all of this into consideration. When you struggle offensively like, like we did at times, I don't care who's calling plays. You, you're looking, you might as well look at that thing with your eyes closed and just pick a play, quite honestly, because it's hard. It's difficult. I've been there. And, you know, you're trying to find that one play or a spark that gets your offense rolling. And, and, and with the struggles that we had at times – it, that's a that's a difficult thing to to do to try to whether it's in the run game or the pass game. Ten Ten XL ninety two point five FM presents Jaguars today with your hosts Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Mike DeRocco, and Oh my pocket, Dylan Denmark. All right, welcome in everybody. It is Thursday morning. Jaguars today. Soldiers on. Because they pay us to show up. Lucky us. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, D-Rock. How are you? Good. How are you? Eh. You know, walls can be expected. Nobody's exactly thrilled around these parts. Huh. The way the Jaguars season ended. Uh, you know why. Uh, I do. We're, well, everyone's <laughs> thrilled that you bought breakfast one final time for the yeah, crew. Yeah. So. That's what I get for relying on Minshew. Um which I should know that lesson, shouldn't I? I think that's what you get for selecting people playing against the Jaguars throughout the course of the year. <laughs> you know, one more time to buy breakfast and uh, locked up last place for the year. I did. So, I did. I'm fine with that. Tony Smith, your two-time time. breakfast bowl champion. Congratulations, yeah. Tony. Yeah, the name is on the bowl, back-to-back years. Where's yes. the bowl? It's Where's in my the... locker. It is. I can it, bring it out. It never comes it. out, but yeah. you can bring it out if did you, you want to. Did you put your name on it? Yeah, it's yeah. already on there again. Yeah. You marked it already? Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Would you write with like a Sharpie or? No, it's just the, the printouts. I can show it to you guys. No, the way I believe that we put you. it I'm on. not that there. interested, honestly. I would have yeah. just, if, if it were me, I'd have like hang it, hung it around my neck on a chain oh, and no, just no, worn it in no. here today. A breakfast bowl chain. Correct. Big turnover <laughs> chain. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll have to have the breakfast bowl to distract us, but we're not playing a playoff nope. edition of the breakfast bowl, although it would be kind of fun if we did um, for a one-week Type scenario. Uh, D-Rock, um, it, it appears that the major changes have happened for the Jaguars. Do you agree that that's the case? I mean, uh, when Doug Peterson comes out and puts out a little statement about basically thanking the coaches for their service, it would indicate that there are no more coaching changes in the offing. Um, I mean, it, look, we're finding out today Bill Belichick's not going to be the coach of the New England Patriots. We found out yesterday – that Pete Carroll will not be back coaching Seattle. So it's not too late to make a move if you want to make a change, be it GM level or someone else on the coaching staff. But do you think what changes have already happened or what we're going to get this offseason? Yeah, barring any kind of, you know, falling out or massive issue that arises, you know, I, I think they're pretty pat at this point. It's going to stand pat at this point with, with Balky and, and Doug Peterson. And, and there's no reason for Doug Peterson to be fired. There's oh, no I don't think for Doug yeah. Peterson. I'm just asking if anybody else on his staff, you think. I, I mean, I think once he makes a comment like, hey, we thank these guys, that, that's an indication that, okay, here are the moves I've made. We're done. Now let's go rebuild this coaching staff, particularly on the defensive yeah, side. Yeah, I think that from that standpoint, absolutely, yes. 
yes, I think that's I, – I don't anticipate any other major changes. Wh- who do you think uh, – or, or who do you know, if you know, uh, or what's your best guess as to where Shad Khan places the blame for how this season ended up going compared to I, hopes I, and I desires? I do not know that. For sure, I have my theories, but I do not know that for sure. Share, I, share I, a theory? I, 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 I don't want to speak out of turn, okay. to be honest with you. But, right. I mean, like, That's look, fine. if you want to ask me where I think the blame belongs, um, I think there's they've got some – first of all, it's not one issue. It's not one reason. Okay, it never is. None of this is one reason. So when I say this, people are going to say, oh, well, he's just think it's that's a problem. No, there were issues all over the place. And I have a story coming out maybe tomorrow. Maybe Monday. I'm not sure which day. Um, that's kind of breaks down why the Jag season went in the pooper. Um, but they have some significant personnel issues at some significant spots that they've got to fix. Um, and that being said, there was qu- questionable coaching decisions. Injuries played a factor into what happened. Um, Trevor Lawrence not playing great uh, at times factored into that, but you can also go back to part of that with the injuries. Um, the defense was, if they didn't get turnovers, they didn't have a lot of success. There were some questionable, um, you know, when you've got players talking about, you know, we got we kept getting out of our gaps, we kept, you know, making mistakes, we didn't communicate. Well, those are those are coaching issues that have to be fixed. So. I mean, it all kind of factors in together, but I, like I told you guys just a few minutes ago, if they don't fix the interior of that offensive line this year, none of this, nothing else that they do in the offseason is going to matter. Nothing. Because that is the major issue with this team. And if they had an average offensive line, just an average offensive line to win in this league, that's fine. You can be, they would be in the playoffs if they had an average offensive line. Um, saw this quote from Dewan Smoot who was on NFL Network yesterday, right, said five to six weeks ago, things just got off the rails for us. It just sucks the way it ended. Can't really explain or explain what happened. When he's saying it went off the rails, is he talking about just the season went off the rails because we ended up losing five out of six? Or do you think he is pointing to something specific like, well, whatever, you know, like issues arose at that point and that's what got us off the rails? How do you interpret that? I think he's talking about everything because, you know, injuries, losing Christian Kirk was a massive blow to this team. I mean, just a massive blow. And then you've got having to rely on Parker Washington, who is missing signals, running wrong routes, not not getting the correct check. Um, well, that's a coaching issue. And I get that those guys don't practice with the first team. I totally get it. Until that, I mean, he didn't even practice with the first team that week. He was running scout team. So I get that there's not a lot of that. But it's their job as players to know all that stuff. And it's the coach's job to know if the guy can handle the role or not. So I think all of that came in together. And, and I'll look, but I, I, you know, I know I saw a tweet from uh, Josina Anderson yesterday where one of the uh, – one of the departing coaches, or maybe it was Monday. Yes, yeah, uh, two days ago. Two days ago, yeah. That said, um, you know the the prob the solutions are leaving, the problems are remaining. Right. Okay. I you know I get that, but and then it went on to say, you know the 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 losses to the Texans and the 49ers skewed the the points per game numbers. And I'm like, no, 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 no. 
They gave up 34 to Cincinnati. If you score 31 points at home, you should win an NFL game. They gave up 34 points to a backup quarterback in Jake Browning. Okay, Jake Browning's been good, but there's no reason for you to give up 34 at home. Then the following week, they gave up 31 points to Joe Flacco because there were three major coverage busts. And Joe Flacco, anyone who watched that game, Joe Flacco was not good in that game. No. He was not. And then you go down to Baltimore, held Baltimore to 23. That's not too bad. They were in that game, so some offensive issues there. 30 points to the Bucs. That was an awful game either side. Gave up 28 points to the Titans team that hadn't, had scored three the week before, right. and that tied their season high for points. So, Derrick Henry had his more rushing yards uh, in the last week yeah. than he had the four previous combined. Right. I mean, it, it, but, but again, there's issues all over offensively. Brandon McManus missed like five of his – at one point, missed five of six kicks. Mm-hmm. So you can point to every single area of why this thing fell apart. And you can overcome one or maybe two of those things. But, but, when, it, but when it all goes wrong like that, or when all of those things happen, it's hard to but overcome you're not, it. You're not reading that or hearing that as, like, there was a fundamental thing that caused a cascade of all these things. Like, that, no. that there were factions or there were, you know, disagreements or finger-pointing or something reared its ugly head. No, I I don't. Things all started to go bad at the same time, basically. Yeah, I I don't think, or it all caught up to them Mm at the same time. I think that's the the thing. Because a lot of these issues were happening throughout the entire season, and they just were able to overcome them. And and early on, the, the defense was really getting after it and getting turnovers, and that's how they won games. They kept the offense in games when they were struggling because they were getting a ton of turnovers. Then you look at the last second half of the season. I mean, in their eight and three start, what did they have turnover wise? I did the math and I hate six, nine, 11, 15, 16, 18. 20 of their 27 turnovers in the eight and three start. About well, two weeks, yeah. Yeah. And then seven after that. Right. And look what happened. Well, that's the thing. You know, to count on turnovers is a difficult proposition. Correct. Absolutely. They come and, in bunches and, you know, it's partially dependent on what the other team does. Well, while all that's happening, it's not like Josh Allen slowed down. Trayvon Walker heated up. Correct. Right? Like, while they, when they stopped getting turnovers, their two best pass rushers were clearly their two best players on the defensive side of the ball. Might have been their for two the best last, players on the entire team, to Right, be for the last you. month of the season. It's Correct. not like everything collapsed on that side of the ball, but the turnovers went away, and they couldn't stop anybody. No, and, and they started, they turned it over at an awful rate. Four against the Browns, two against the Ravens, four against the Bucks, and then two more against the Titans. And, you know, that, I made a, a comment maybe against the, the during the Bucks game that this was like watching the 2021 Jags a little bit in that it just kind of felt like that there was no margin for error for this team um, when they were in that slide. And that, that, that game against the Bucks, worse to me, than the 49er game. Absolutely worse to me. Because they just looked like they didn't care in that game. They got their butts beat against the Niners. But that that Bucks game. How does that happen, though? That that Because a lot of people had that feeling like they just were, like, satisfied, going through the motions, whatever. Like, it, it's – and I understand the, the whole you stood pat with whatever. But what you stood pat with, in part – was a group of guys who had uh, like a never-say-die spirit, we thought, right? right? And, and were, would fight you tooth and nail to the final gun, and then were never out of it. And, and 
would always believe right up until the final minutes. What happened to that? Well, Josh Allen, I think, said it perfectly in the locker room after the game when I asked him. Uh, he said, look, we were all sitting around this second part of the season waiting for that spark, waiting for the spark to get us out of the rut, and it never came. Well, they made the spark last year is what he was saying. And Doug Peterson essentially said the same thing. He's like, go be the spark. Right. Um, and, and it just – and look, people don't want to hear this, okay, but it's Christmas Eve game. They want to get the hell out of there. They want to get home. It's a holiday. It's the same stuff we all go through. Like, if we have to work on Christmas Eve, you're like, ugh, I don't want to work on Christmas Eve. I want to be home. I want to have a drink. I want to be sitting around the fire. I want to be doing whatever. It's the same thing. I mean, that kind of crept in. That's the way I read it. That's um, crazy. I, I'm sorry. That's just crazy. It, I, I totally agree with you, but it's, it's, it's the reality of it. Um, yeah, but, and, 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 you know, half and, the and teams are on the road the, on Christmas yeah, Eve. And here's the thing to, uh, also to consider. The starting quarterback, the last time he had a fully, he fully participated in, quarter, in practice was December 15th. Mm. So he doesn't practice during the concussion week, except for a limited basis, what on Friday. Gets cleared on Saturday and then goes down there and um, plays against the Bucks. okay? Hurts the shoulder, doesn't practice, doesn't play against the, the Panthers. Um, practices on a limited basis. And then goes and plays against the 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 uh, the Titans and clearly was rusty, so that's part of it too. I mean the injuries. Right, there's and, a, yeah. it's not an excuse. It, it's no. a reason though. No, they're, people they're, and people they're... often excuse, confuse excuse for reason. A reason, yeah, it's it's a reason. It's not an excuse. It's a reason. He didn't play well over that last in that last game. I don't think, partly because he was rusty, and and there's no other way to look at it. And and, and quite frankly. Honestly, that doesn't do much for me because look at last year. Look at Baker Mayfield. Absolutely. Get picked up by the Rams last year, was there for like three days, and went out and played really well as their starter. Joshua Dobbs was around for two weeks when he almost beat the Jags in week 18 we saw, last and, year. And, and he had Tennessee. a run this year, too, but we saw eventually Josh He's, Dobbs right. reverted to Josh Dobbs. I, and I understand <laughs> that, but my, my point being, like, you know, this, this, I didn't have enough time to get ready. Well, he mean, never said that. I know. Okay. I know. Okay. But that thought that would be project, like, I, I, I mean, if you don't practice, you're going to be a little rusty. I mean, it's just the way it is. He didn't really throw, he didn't throw hard for almost two weeks. So, I mean, again, it's not an excuse, it's a reason. All should, right. should they have not played him against um, the Titans? I don't know. Oh, I, I, well, look. If they felt he was a better option than C.J. Beathard, I have no problem with them playing him. And I can absolutely conceive that Trevor – I really can't. <laughs> yeah, admit, and, you know, and people may disagree with that. but And that's kind of what the Jags believe, too. Clearly. Right. And I had no problem with them going with the guy they feel is their guy, you know, in that circumstance. All right, we'll talk more about that or anything else you want to get into as we go ahead here. But uh, we'll throw out today's Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day. Uh, asking about potential defensive coordinator candidates. Who would you be the most excited about for the Jags? Now, Ajero Evero uh, is the Carolina Panthers' current defensive coordinator. The Jags are actually seeking permission to interview him and were not given that permission, but that's because Carolina wants to interview him for their head coaching job. So there's a feeling that, okay, if he doesn't get the head coaching job and the new guy comes in and doesn't keep him on the staff, then it, it may be circle back to where he's Correct. available. And Correct. we put him in the poll as well because he's the 
like the younger up and coming if you're looking for that kind of guy. And clearly yeah. the Jags had an interest. Because oh, they, request, they, yeah. they requested yeah. permission to interview him. So he's in there. Leslie Frazier is in there. Wasn't a defense coordinator this year, but most recently with the Buffalo Bills. has been a head coach as well. Wink Martindale, we know, uh, didn't like the way Brian Dable handled his defensive staff and blew up at him, and they've had a mutual parting of ways. And then Ron Rivera, who's obviously from the defensive side and don't know what his coaching plans are. I don't think Ron Rivera is going to be a hot name in head coaching circles whatsoever, but he's got plenty of experience on that side. And, and look, if you've got a write-in vote or somebody else that gets you excited about the idea of coming in here, being the Jags defense coordinator, we'd love to hear from you. And you can hit us up uh, today on social media with your vote on that or your response to it. If you'd like, at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, at ESPN DeRocco, and at 1010XL Denmark. Hold my pocket! Good morning, Pockets. Good morning. How was your breakfast? It was good, man. Good. Free? It was free. Free for you. I was so. free, yeah. Yeah, that's the important thing, as long as you didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> um, also today, if you want to get in on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines, you can do that at 641-1010. Same number for the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Uh, what am I forgetting? The YouTube chat as well. Uh, all Jaguar off-season issues on the table for you today, but that's today's question of the day about defensive coordinator uh, candidates. And it may be somebody – completely off that list as well that ends up uh, getting the job. And I'm sure they'll interview <coughs> others beyond that quartet that we just threw out there. Might not even interview all those guys. But uh, that's your question of the day. So let us know how you feel about that. Mike DiRocco is in. It's uh, Jaguars today. We'll go until noon right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's a Mike DiRocco Thursday on Jaguars Today. Is brought to you by Lloyd's Heating and Air on 1010XL. All right, uh, comment on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, who is always oh so sweet. Uh, why have C.J. Beathard as a backup if he's not better than your hurt starter followed by clown emoji? Okay, so I guess that means I'm a clown for suggesting that. Mm-hmm. Every the portal. backup in the league Every, every starter that gets hurt but is well enough to play, the team will play that guy over the backup unless that starter is just like one of the half dozen or whatever the number it is. Unless at it's the, a guy that you're already league. considering not playing Correct. week to week. Like, it's not Atlanta. That's not the situation right. that they where, have where in Where Desmond Ritter's not their long-term locked-in guy. Right. We may be better this week with Heineke. So when Patrick Mahomes was limping around in the playoffs last year, why wouldn't they stay with Henny? He led a touchdown drive. He has to be better than the hurt starter, right? Think about what you're saying. No, he doesn't. (laughs) There are not 32 good starting quarterbacks in the NFL. There certainly aren't 32 good backup quarterbacks in the NFL. You just want a guy to be able to come in and and run the offense and get you in and out of what the huddle. What you and- want out of C.J. Beathard is exactly what he did against the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Go in there. Don't turn the ball over. We'll be a lot more conservative in the game plan. Execute the game plan. Don't make mistakes. That's what you want out of your backup. Uh, not just C.J. Beathard. Out of your back, any NFL team yeah. wants that out of the backup. Right. And, and I, I'm going to wager that if – the Jaguars defense pitches shut out in week 18 they that Trevor Lawrence's performance would have been good enough to beat right the Titans as well CJ yep. Beathard had the benefit of not having any points on the opponent's scoreboard like get a field goal mm-hmm. and you're golden uh so you know what I mean 
the, the backups are not anywhere close to as good as the starters in the National Football League generally. Not even close. So to quarterback say, wise, quarterback yeah. wise, you're right. That's specifically what I'm yeah. talking about. And if they here. are, you don't have a good quarterback situation. You're right. You don't, or, or you have one of the rare, rare occasions where the backup, you have, you know, there are probably three or four backups that probably should be on another team starting somewhere, but by virtue of just happenstance. And like Minshew is better, I think, than several starting quarterbacks in the National Football League, they're fortunate to have him backing up Anthony Richardson. Yeah. You know, and when he signed there, they hadn't drafted Anthony Richardson. Had they – or, you know, and Minshew's not stupid. He could see that they were going to go in that direction, but it worked out for him. He got to play a lot of football, almost played his team into the postseason. You know, so – Killed me in the final breakfast bowl, though. Good for him. Well, good for him is right. You know, <laughs> if Tyler Goodson had caught that pass, probably still not enough for you is my guess. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Don't, don't tell so. Minshew to throw it out in front of him next time. Yeah, Maybe that'll – I mean, what an awful pass. <laughs> happen. It was it's bad pass, bad drop, but that's their problem. And uh, mine, apparently. And yours. <laughs> Correct. Uh, all right. Six four one ten ten on the All Pro Roofing phone lines. Mike on the south side gonna weed things off. What's up, Mike? Hey, good morning, fellas. How are you? We're okay. What's up? Um, so I think, you know, one thing we need to remember is when you play football it's the domino effect. When the offense is having constant three and out, we're going for it on fourth down at the forty yard line. We're doing a second and one read option from the goal line with one yard to go for a touchdown instead of running it up the middle. How much responsibility do we put on Press Taylor? I know injuries were big, especially on our offensive line, but the decision-making he made, he has to be held accountable for something. And with the defense, you know, it's hard to win on defense when you're having a three and out and the offense isn't producing. So how much do you guys put on Press Taylor specific? Is he the guy for the future? Oh, it doesn't matter if we think he's a guy for the future or not. Yeah. Because Doug Peterson does. Yeah. Look, we said it on Monday when all the chaos was beginning right here on the show. Look, I would have been Trent Baalke, both coordinators being out the building, wouldn't even bat an eye. Right? Like, wouldn't even bat an eye if that's the, the direction they wanted to go with the franchise. Doug Peterson was a bit of a different story for me, but those other three, fine. If they all had to leave. Fine. If I had to choose one between press and Mike Caldwell, I would have chosen press because simply, too. look, which unit played better this year, offense or defense? Simple question. Not saying either one was great. Not saying either one lived up to what you needed out of them. Who do you think played better, D-Rock, offense or defense this year? Probably the offense you overall. Do. I think so. Um, look, they went into Cleveland – um, with a banged up quarterback and a, a facing a defense that had given up what 20 averaging allowing only 10 and a half points a game um, and they scored 27 up there and should have won that game and the defense the defense's mistakes to me were more glaring um, and more problematic in terms I, I think the defense's mistakes were more I guess coaching-wise is what I'm going to say. Um, just like, look, there's no excuse in, in, in the Cleveland game for David and Joku on a third and one to be left wide open. Someone had the responsibility to latch on in Joku and not let him off the line of scrimmage, and, and they didn't. So he's wide open. And then you've got two veteran players 
who are supposed to be able to communicate, Rayshon and, and Darius Williams, and they don't communicate, and then David whoop, David Bell is, like, wide open. Understand that. Touchdown. Did we not have that with Trevor and receivers all year long? Did we not yeah, hear these guys I, are not I, on the same page I, all year agree, long? Agree. I agree. But I just think as an overall, like, like minuscule. Okay. Minuscule. Yeah, it's, it's really tough to really determine which right. one was worse. Who, who do you, if you had to vote for one, who do you think is worse? Uh, uh, I'd probably vote press. And a lot of that's the expectation going into the year. Sure it is. Um, and, and the raw material they had to work with, the yeah. fact that they invested more on that side of the football this year, they, they couldn't run the ball at all. They're bad on third downs. They're terrible in the red zone. They, when they got it in an opponent's yeah. territory, they squandered so many scoring opportunities. I mean, look, I'm not saying the defense was great. No, but it was if you're, bad if, all around. If you're asking which – if I'm only going to fire one, who did a worse job? I think it's Press Taylor. So, at, at the very least, it's super tight, right? If you, if you think it's Mike Caldwell, it's not by a large margin – but he and his entire staff get bumped out the door, and Doug basically lauds the job that Press Taylor did. Well, let, let me say this. Let me ad- address one thing that guy said, and he mentioned like the, the rollout pass on third and one from the goal line there, from the one-yard line, and then the, the, the jump that Trevor had on fourth down. Those, the, the, the play calls for both of those plays tell you exactly – the amount of confidence that Press Taylor and Doug Peterson had in that offensive line, which is zero. Zero. Because every other team, I shouldn't say every, not most other teams on third and one turn around and hand it to their guy and let him pound into the end zone. Okay? It's third and one from the goal line. Maybe. You're going to do that once. Okay? They, they had no confidence in that the middle of that offensive line to create any kind of movement or space. And then on the fourth down play, and I think we've all seen, uh, if you haven't seen yeah, Brandon it. Brandon Sheriff's pulling. Brandon Sheriff's pulling. So that's, a, that's an gonna outside run. run. Yeah, yeah they're gonna, It's an outside run, and Luke Fortner absolutely gets destroyed on that play. Go on X and, and look up uh, the O-line guy, the OL guy. Um he has a uh, uh, he tweeted a shot or a video. Baldinger of, did it. They're a yeah, bunch of guys. I mean, it's out you know, there. You it, can find it. Was it. Hor- they had no confidence in that offensive line, which is why you know I've been saying if they don't fix that, nothing else matters. I, I don't dispute that, mm-hmm. and I do, and I did bring up and brought it up on the post game, brought it up on Monday. If they run it twice and get stuffed, people are saying, "Well, of course you got stuffed, you idiots. You know you can't run the ball. Can't what win. are you? What are you yeah. doing? Well, you. But here's my problem on third down." As I'm watching the play roll out, your two primary guys in Trevor's field division yeah. are Tank Bigsby and Luke Farrell. Sorry, that's the best you've got. That's a like at the very least. Don't you think like every week you go in with a two point play, right? That you feel like no matter what we're going to get this, and they're thinking we got to score and then still have the two point play. You got to get the touchdown first. You can, is that the best play you had? Is that the one? Was that your two point play? Like, you know what I mean? Like, we have to score the touchdown. Then let's worry about the two-pointer, right? I mean, or or do you think they're figuring, all right, we got two shots at it. We'll, and I would presume everybody's got their favorite two-point play in their back pocket mm-hmm. for just that circumstance. If you have to have well, it Well, he might not have game. wanted to run that because they knew they needed to get the two-pointer. Well, that's what I'm saying. Did they, right, but yeah. if you don't get it, like, do you even consider, like, we're basically we're at the one-yard line here. It's similar. Here's the play. 
What about the two-point play that you ran against the Ravens last year? What about it? Well, that's, that's available as well. I mean, that's a play call that, that they could have run. I just there, – there's no confidence in that offensive line. None. In the, uh, in the interior of that offensive line, there was none. And you, the way they called plays reflected that. So, yes, Press Taylor called some strange plays and deserves some criticism for it. Absolutely. But how do you call plays when you know the interior of your offensive line is on skates and they're getting blown up every single time? I, I found this stat out. Let me see if I can find it real quick. And this will tell you pretty much all you need to know about this offensive line. And this is going in my, uh, my story that's running tomorrow, The big I think. think piece at ESPN.com. Yeah, it's either, I think it's Friday or maybe Monday. But um, let me find it real quick. Um, All right, you, you want to? Yeah. We'll I'll do it on back. the break. Yeah, we'll come yeah. back uh, after the break, and uh, you can regale us with tales of offensive line woes. Look, <laughs> I, I'm not disputing the offensive line issues. I'm just asking. This is like you know the thing I've gone with for years, ever since I heard it. If you put a five or a seven year old ringside after a fight, you ask him who won. That kid's gonna be right most of the time. He's not gonna tell you who landed the most blow. He's gonna just tell you this guy beat up the other guy more often than not. That's how I feel. It's more of a gut thing. I feel like the defense was the better unit compared to the offense this year, yet they're the ones who got blown out uh, when it comes to the coaching staff. Uh, neither one of them, by the way, was exactly top-notch. It's just uh, you know the disparity between the entire coaching staff on one side and a couple of assistants on the other side, I think, is what makes it stand out. All right, today uh, we've got that a four-man poll in there, and you can certainly write in another candidate. Which of these potential defensive coordinator candidates would you get most excited about for the Jags? Jero Avero, uh, who is most recently the defensive coordinator of the Panthers. Leslie Frazier, longtime coach in the NFL. Wink Martindale, who just parted ways with the Giants. Or and now the former head coach of the Washington Commanders, Ron Rivera. That's out there for you to vote on as well. 641-1010 if you want to get in the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jacksonville. D-Rock on Jags today is brought to you by Lloyd's Heating and Air, commercial and residential on 1010XL. Yes, I think um, most people realize Bill Belichick's not coming to be the defensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Few people have suggested that. What about Belichick? I, sure. Okay. If Belichick wants to be they the defensive really coordinator. I don't believe that. Do I they? don't think so. Um, but uh, he is unemployed right now. Make him say well, no. not yet. That's right. We got to make the call first, Tony. We don't know unless we ask. Same thing with Vrabel. Make him say no. He I, doesn't want to be I, the defensive coordinator. I don't care. I'd call him. I'd I call too. Vrabel. I'd, yeah. You know. I would. I mean, I don't care if it's a simple like, quick, hey, quick, or any hey, interest. Guys, nope. no, not okay. this cycle. Cool. All right, fine. But, but, yeah, silly us. Out, yeah, you reach out to their reps, and you know, is there any chance? No. Oh, okay, there you go. But, and they probably have already done that. You know, I'm not even like the Belichick thing. Silly. Belichick's not coming to be anybody's defensive coordinator right now. I don't know if Mike Vrabel would if he didn't get a head coaching job. He, he might sit be out a New here. England coach. Who knows? He might be. No, he'll likely get a job. Is the feeling. My point being, if. For whatever reason, I mean, only one guy gets each job, and maybe they want to go down. Or maybe Vrabel says, you know what, I don't want to follow Belichick. Because that's that you want to be the guy who follows the guy who follows the guy, right? You don't want yeah, to be but the, guy the last who several the guy. years have sort of dulled it true. a little bit. That's true. So of uh, Vrabel's last couple of years. <laughs> 
until this past week. Anyway, um, I'm, just before we get to your stat on the offensive line, just going back and forth on this thing with backup quarterbacks, um, you know, Craig's on uh, the text line cited you know, some other teams like the Bengals, the Browns, the Steelers. Well, in two of those three instances, you had no choice. I mean, if, if Trevor's out for the year, you play Beathard, right? If right. Burrow's out for the year, yeah, they turn to Jake Browning. They don't go, hey, Burrow's banged up. Maybe Jake Browning's a better option. If Burrow can play, he's playing. 100%. That's your starter. If Deshaun Watson can play, if he's healthy enough to play, he's playing. They didn't, by the way, go from Watson to Flacco. They went from Watson to P.J. Walker to Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Right. Then none of this is working. By the way, it's Pittsburgh. Pickett gets hurt. They didn't go to Mason Rudolph. They went to Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. They, didn't think Mitchell, they didn't think Mason Rudolph was better than Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> Never mind better than Kenny Pickett. And then right. Rudolph got in there and played well, and Pickett's not that guy that you're like, yeah, he's 100%, you know. You know, like Kenny Pickett, when his contract's up, what kind of contract's he going to get? Is he even going to be back with a second contract with Pittsburgh? You know, that, I think that's up for debate. Correct. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any debate here in Jacksonville as far as that goes. No. So, uh, all right, offensive line. Stat, this is going to be well worth the wait, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm hoping I don't know it what is. it is, so I, I'm, I'm really so, anticipating this. The Jaguars had the second most runs in the NFL that went for no gain or lost yardage, 120 runs. That was a league high 26% of their rushes. So one out of every four times they handed the ball off, they got zero or lost yardage. Mm-hmm. And I'm combining that in my head with having a running back that broke the most tackles in the league. It is that, the, that when you're getting no gain, Okay, into the line of scrimmage. And this takes into account goal lines in third and one, fourth and one. But when you're getting no gain in the line of scrimmage, there's no space. Okay, there's no space. The defense has either blown it up or they, the offensive line couldn't get any uh, movement. When you're getting losses, that means there's penetration by the defensive line. So that, it's, just, it's mind-boggling that one out of more than one out of every four runs went for zero or lost yardage. Let me ask your opinion, and I'm not disputing. We know the offensive line is a massive issue. We did yesterday, what are your three offseason priorities? Tony had two different points on the offensive line. Mine was re-sign Josh Allen, fix the offensive line was number two. Right. But, you know, you got to. I don't want to create a, another hole by losing Josh Allen, but we all recognize that that's the case, okay? But Luke Fortner was a starter. When Travis Etienne averaged 5.1 yards a carry two years ago, Sheriff was a starter then. Now, granted, Juwan's gone, and maybe that was a decent factor in it. Anton Harrison's pass blocking metrics were really good. I get there's somewhat of a revolving door on the left side, but they had some of that as well in 2022. So, did all these guys, it's a serious question now, did they all just suddenly get worse like I, and maybe that's the case like did I've heard a lot of that sheriff's really kind of falling off like he was at, trying to hang on and maybe injuries yes. are catching up like how did Fortner get so much worse he didn't get or was he just as bad he was worse this year I had somebody in the organization tell me yeah he's he was he did not play at the level, especially the second half of the season. How does that happen, though, when a guy doesn't have major in- – like, I get it. Devon Hamilton they expected a lot out of 
and he gets kind of a freak injury, right, the back infection, and yeah. and and that saps him of his strength, and it, it's this this cycle of when he comes back, he it, it he just never maybe was right. So there's somewhat of an excuse built in for that, and there's still hope that okay, a fully healthy Devon Hamilton will be a different player. How does that happen with Luke Fortner? Well, they told him to get bigger and stronger, and he got slightly bigger and stronger, but not enough. And, you know, d- d- did he face some pretty good fronts? Yes. But, you know, what? You got to win Welcome some of those. Welcome to the NFL, man. Yeah, uh, you got to win some of those. Jeffrey Simmons wasn't the one blowing him up on no, Sunday. No, not at all. And he, he didn't play well. Physic- not physical enough and just got punched in the mouth. And, look, I think if you put the tape on from the Jaguars last season – these teams are watching, and they're looking, and they're saying, we can take care of that center. We can make some hay in the middle of, that, that, uh, in the middle of their offensive line. We can go ahead and, 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 and figure out a way to kind of neutralize their run game on the inside. Look, look I don't know that they're going to cut Luke Fortner. Um, he's a bulky guy. He's a bulky draft pick. So I would be very surprised if they cut him. But they need to bring somebody in either to compete with him or to actually just go ahead and be the starting center. And Brandon Scherf's level of play did fall off. He was not the same player he was um, last year either that he was before. But he was battling an an abdominal injury pretty much all year. And everyone talked about the ankle, but the abdominal was really an issue for him all year. He just didn't play at the same level this year. Although I'll say this. In our pass block metrics, ESPN's, his pass block win rate um, among guards was 14th. So that's actually pretty good. It's like 93%. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Pass protection, okay. Um, you know, but that offensive line as a whole ranked, what is it, well, 25th? Well, he and Fortner are not maulers. They're, they're not guys that you just line and up that, and go just right. and drive straight ahead. That's part of it because the Jags do kind of want those guys that can get outside mm-hmm. and be a little bit more athletic. So you you have to sacrifice a little bit of girth or a little bit of physicality for that because it's hard to be that mauler and the guy that can really get out. Look, it you can do it. Let's let's be honest. You can do it. It's not. I'm not making excuses for this. They want a more of an athletic group on the offensive line, and that's. I mean, so you you draft to that, and okay, we know what Luke Fortner is when we draft him. And we're sitting here going, I mean, look, I'm not saying guys don't have to continue to improve when they get in the league, but you knew what kind of center he was when you drafted him. Right. The the general thinking, and and this is logical, the general thinking is whenever you draft an offensive lineman, regardless of what round and what position, they have, they're going to be better significantly their second year. Because you're finally going to get him on an offensive line. You're finally going to get him on a nutrition program. You're finally going to give him a full offseason and an offseason NFL weight program and all that good stuff. Well, that never happened with, with Fortner. He, he did not get better. And he may be as strong as he Aren't can get. Aren't some of those SEC weight programs pretty damn good? Yeah, but it's still not the same level. Look, you know, you know as well as I do, the nutrition programs at, at – at the collegiate level, you can only do so much with college kids. I mean, they're going to eat Chick-fil-A. They're going to eat, um, you know, McDonald's or, or whatever. Um, but look, it, it, he just didn't develop. He just didn't get any stronger. And, and that's a massive – you can't be weak in the middle of your offensive line. Understand.
Understand. There's no room for and your quarterback way, to not, step up. I'm not disputing what you're saying. I'm just right. kind of asking Devil's the advocate. question, yeah. like, how can this be in, in some of these circumstances, right? He, he just is. I mean, he just didn't improve. All right, let's get to uh, Anthony from New York at 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. Anthony, what's up? What's going on? Yeah, just quickly on Fortner. I think he just doesn't have the raw power that some of these linemen have. Like, you really need to be an anchor there. And I think some of that can get, you know, you can get that from the weight room, but it's more of an all-encompassing thing that a lot of these guys just have. Um, but I think with Balky, it's it's tough to, you know, to have this happen, like, almost every offseason if we don't win. There's just a lot of drama in the organization, um, you know, bl- blaming coaching or blaming a quarterback um, over personnel is tough because, I mean, look, I've, I've been upset with Press Taylor for months now. You know, I'm not going to lie and say I haven't been, but, you know, what would you do with this personnel when you can't step up in the pocket? How do you really necessarily throw the ball in the middle of the field? You know, we're always throwing to the sides. Well, maybe because that's the easiest, you know, way for Trevor Lawrence to see who's open. You know, it's easier to see the guys on the sidelines when there's no one in your face. Um, and then also, you know, Ed and Calvin Ridley was a good ad, I, you know, I guess when, I, when, the time, when the time happened. But, you know, you kind of fast forward and you look at this two-minute video of Trevor Lawrence missing guys by six inches. That's his Achilles heel. You know, maybe bring in a 6'4 wide receiver that can go up and get the ball. Maybe let the guy throw some 50-50 balls to a dude that can actually go make the grip. So I think this falls on personnel so much, and it's just really sad, you know, to see, you know, Shad Khan and, and the head coach kind of give this guy a little bit of credibility here because I think that we need to move on and, and do something in that area. But uh, I know that's what we're talking about all week, and we'll probably talk about it all, all season, but... Uh, what do you guys think? Well, I, I mean, I think that's the thing, right? I it's players, not plays. I always has. I, I don't been, know anybody that be. wouldn't want will to be. reset the front office right now. And I don't think, by the way, Trent Baalke's done a completely horrible job. You could say what you want. Oh, I'm the devil. I must be on the payroll of he Trent signed Baalke. Kirk and Jones he, and he signed Ingram. Ingram, and he signed a lot of guys. And Boye, I, I mean Darius Williams. They they went and from his. Spot. I'm not giving him any credit or any blame on the Trevor pick, right? He, it, it's since he's been in charge, he has made some good signs. He's made some terrible signs. He made some terrible draft picks in the sum total of things. I'd be more than ready to move on and reset, but it doesn't appear that they're going to. So if that's the case, I'm not going to sit here and go, well, eh, they, nothing can happen because they have bulky. I mean, I still want them to make moves this offseason, and I hope those moves work out. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I'm not just going to throw up my hands up in the air and go, well, Balky's here. Well, did we like the Anton Harrison pick last year, right? Did we like the fact that he actually traded down and was able to acquire more picks and still get Anton Harrison? And one of those picks he picked up turned into be Antonio Johnson. That's a pretty good move. We just need a lot more of that, right? Taking a tight end and a running back in rounds two and three that yeah. barely impacted your football team it's were not good moves. that with the trading down that the only two impact players they got in the draft are the two you just named. Yes, I right? agree with you. Like it, And that is, that's frustrating, but it doesn't make those two guys any less impactful uh, on the team Look, this year. You, you went into the draft with too many picks and you ended up having even more coming out. You, this team needed premier talent added to it, not just a whole bunch of, of like – hope two or yeah. three years down the line a few of these guys will turn into decent players for us. It's and they couldn't get it about. done. Yeah, it's what we've talked about. They they thought they had it together. They thought they had put together a team already that was ready to go win at the absolute highest level. 
they were completely wrong, which is why they're spending a second-round pick on a tight end and a third-round pick on a running back, right, and not addressing offensive line again in those positions or wide receiver or pass rush, not addressing any of those. Instead, let's get what will be our second-string tight end and third-string running back. Like, just doesn't make any sense in hindsight. Even if Brenton Strange stays healthy all year, how is that a better use of your draft capital than Osiris Torrance would have been? Sitting right there. Five catches. Right. A walk-in starting guard for you right there. A guy that we had talked about they should consider in the first round. Yep. Had they taken him in the first round, people would have been like kind of conditioned like, oh, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. He's sitting there when you're on the clock with your second-round pick. Now let's trade back one more time, pick up, you know, I don't know, uh, a draft pick that will get us uh, maybe somebody he'll never see the field. You see Abdullah? I think, yeah. Ha- anybody they- seen him in the last two months? No. You know – you know what I'm saying right. here. Most of those, it, it, once you get past like the third round, I mean, you're projecting. Uh, okay. you're, you're, those guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, they're deficient in some areas, and you're just hoping that you can develop the area where they're pretty good at to kind of get something out of them, or you can f- develop the area where they're deficient to get something out of them, you know, to make them better enough to get or something out of them. Or there are guys them. out there, and that it's your job Correct. to identify who they are. Absolutely. When you When you take Snoop Connor, when Kyron Williams is available at the same position, and Snoop Connor can't make your football team, and Kyron Williams is going out there and just looking like the next coming of Christian McCaffrey at times this year, that's a major personnel fail. That's just what it is. Yeah. You I know? Mean, you, you, I mean – Absolutely, there's but, no. You no, know, here's the thing: we can we can cite chapter and verse on all the personnel. Fit. We're all on the same side on this. We all agree. If Sean Conn doesn't want to make a move, it's going to be Trent Balky back as a general manager. So at that point, I'm not going to sit here and go, "Well, that's it. Then season's over." I'm still going to want to go through the process of, okay, what are the moves that I hope Trent Balky ends up making? Maybe that he didn't make last year, you know. Um, and, and and at times he's been right. About certain guys, I we know some you know off the record comments he made about, and I'm not going to get into them about certain players that people have said, hey, why don't we sign this guy? And Balky said, eh, I don't, I, that guy's kind of lost it. In some cases, he was proven absolutely right, and I'm not going to get into you know some of the specifics on the off the record stuff. I'm not saying Trent Balky's done a great job, but at the same time, he has made some good moves, and I hope that if we are going to go forward with him, he'll make a lot more of those than the alternative because I'm not going to root for him to fail because that means the Jags are going to fail. Does You know what I mean? Like, I, so we're all frustrated. It all comes back to Balky. If they don't do anything with Balky, none of it matters. Really? So Balky's not going to try to sign some offensive? So it matters. It all matters. Absolutely. Who he signs absolutely matters. So if you're just going to say, oh, as long as he's here, I'm just, I, I, what, you're not going to be a Jaguar fan? You're not going to attend games? You're not going to watch him? What, what is, when you say it doesn't matter, to me it matters greatly what he does. And I would rather have a fresh set of eyes making those decisions. But in lieu of that, I'm going to hope that he gets them more right than wrong. You know what? I, I just feel yeah. like there's a, a feeling that if if it's bulky, forget it. I'm tuning out. All right. That, okay. Well, first of all, never I never believe people when they say that. Because no. uh, a lot they, of them say it. The, the, the I'm not watching the NFL games anymore because of the kneeling. Well, someone is because yeah. Yeah. it's In record, record ratings every right. year. What is it? 93 of the top 100 programs Something on TV were NFL like games that. last yeah. year. I yeah. mean, like, and, uh, and maybe you're not, but I guess a lot of other people are. Because, I'm not watching uh, well, Saturday night. I'm not getting Peacock. I am not either. The hell with the NFL on <laughs> that one. I'm, I'm not watching Saturday. I'm not. Uh, oh, I know. Peacock. I know where to find 
links. I, I, I could tell you the website right now uh, <laughs> where I could watch that game if I choose to, but uh, I'll probably choose not to. Yeah. I had a friend who got three or six free months of Peacock by going to Halloween Horror Nights. That's how I'm watching the game this week. <laughs> Look, I have Love Peacock. It. It's just if you better make sure that they don't have the basic level because that doesn't get you the game. Oh yeah, no, it's it's the subscription. It, it's service. got it right. Like yeah. the Peacock's free through Xfinity for me. Yeah, um, but, but it's not. It's not their the, real programming. It's just, yeah. right. It's just a bunch of sitcoms that I don't want to rewatch at this point. Anyway, so anyway, that that's you know neither here nor there. Uh, hour two is coming up. If you're on the line, stay there. We'll get to you straight ahead at six four one. 1010 with Mike Duraco from ESPN talking Jags with you. This is Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey folks, Mike Dempsey for Tire Outlet, inviting you to ride in style with that brand new set of tires from Tire Outlet who offer the best selection, best quality, and yes, the best prices. You're going to find the best tires for your vehicle. Tire Outlet's loaded with experience over four decades of it, 14 locations around the first coast for your convenience. They're the brand you can trust with your vehicle's tires and a lot more. So hurry into Tire Outlet. You'll get great deals on tires with the legendary price match guarantee, and they also have expert technicians ready to do the maintenance and repairs that you need to keep your vehicle performing at its best. That's Tire Outlet, where you always get wholesale prices and premium service. Mike DeRocco, Thursday on Jaguars Today, is brought to you by Lloyd's Heating and Air on 1010XL. All right, we continue on. I swear one of these shows, we're just going to stumble. We're going to eureka moment. We're going to fix the Jaguars. Huh. May not be today. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Uh, your question today, presented by Chad and Sandy Real Estate, which of these potential defense coordinator candidates, if any, would you be most excited about for the Jaguars? Ajiro Averro. Leslie Frazier, Wink Martindale, Ron Rivera. If you're not sure, you don't have to vote or vote for the one you've heard of or vote, don't vote and just reply with a, a name of another guy that you'd like or whatever the case may be. Uh, but that's the question today out there on social media if you'd like to weigh in. Uh, right now, 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. Will in Riverside going to kick off this segment. What's up, Will? What's up? Um, I just have a question for you guys. Um like coming in this all season the draft, we don't make any like big changes, anything. Who do you put the blame on? The owner or the GM? That's all my question. So I, I, if we don't make any changes this off season, how are they not going to make any changes this off season? Does he? I'm assuming he means if they don't going into the draft, if they haven't signed anybody significant in free agency. Okay, that, that's. I mean, based on what he said, that's the only thing I can think of. GM. Um. Look, ultimately, the owner's yeah. the one who employs the GM. So everything's at the owner's feet. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If you wanna... But I've never gotten any kind of feeling that Shad Khan has said, no, don't spend it on X. No. He's, right? Like, you he come to him and say, I need this. Purse. He says, go. Yes, he's never. I right, mean, but it's still, if the guy chooses not to, it's still his decision to employ that correct. guy. Right? Correct. And, uh, by the way, they didn't have that kind of cap space last year to make those kind of moves in free agency. They didn't want to either. Their thinking was, we spent the year before, we'll sign some lower-level guys because we don't want to build this team around free agents. We want to build it through the draft. Um, so they didn't want to make a huge splash in free agency last year. But they didn't have the space to do it either. They, Correct. They really couldn't have. And the, right. the huge, huge splash that everyone was excited about this offseason was, Ridley. was Calvin Ridley. Right. So... Um, do you think Calvin Ridley's back as a member of the Jaguars? Uh, yeah, that, that one I don't know. Um, 
a lot of it depends on what they do with Josh, too, because of the franchise right. tag availability. Um, but Ridley in the locker room on Monday said, yeah, money matters, um, which don't blame him. Right. Um, but he would like to stay here. Um, and and does, he said he didn't want to learn a new offense and learn anything Did he else. learn this one? You would wonder and you would hope that after two years in the offense, <laughs> okay. or a year and a half, that it, he's got a better handle on Just it. Being a little bit facetious, but it seemed right. like he was in, you know, there. He was at the center of a lot of the miscommunications, as I use the air quotes. Yeah, him so, and, and Parker Washington. Yes, um, Parker Washington, a little bit more understandable as a first-time player in the National Football League. But either way, you know, you got to know your assignments. Right, which is why you know, again, that's coaching issue. You, you're putting a kid in 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 Parker Washington in a significant role, and he's not. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do. Uh, let's go to Ken in Arlington next on Jaguars today. Good morning, Ken. Hey, good morning. Uh, question uh, on the – I don't know if you guys have, like, a perspective on the inner workings, uh, like within a coaching staff, but when you're watching a game, a lot of friends of mine, you know, casual observers, see the offensive line getting pushed around. And you've got a guy like Shatley who's proven to be an anchor at center. You've got – you know, Robinson, is there what happened? Is there not a constructive way uh, when you're on that skid to put those guys like, put you know, one of, you know, a guard, put Shatley at center and you're automatically stronger at the offensive line? Like if you're wanting to win in the moment, what prevents those kind of things from happening? Well, they're, they disagree that that's the best. I mean, that to me is what prevents it from happening. Nothing prevents it from happening if the coach wants it to happen. I personally would have made a change at center. I think and I a lot of put Shatley would, in there, but I think he, he's what, not able to do some of the things athletically. The stuff. Yeah, right, and that that's how like. they're trying right. to design their offense. But so, but you got to sacrifice something I to understand. keep the middle of that defensive line out of Trevor's face. But when you say what's preventing that, yeah. their decision that right. what Fortner is giving them in ways I, I'm guessing yes. in his athleticism is more valuable than Shatley's, quote, stoutness at the point of attack, let's call it, right, or whatever. And, you know, the idea of, like, playing Cam at guard. Cam, they talked about, D-Rock, with guys, you know, just the shuffling on the left side of the offensive line. By the way, I don't understand why this is such a big issue. I see backup linemen come in and play well all the time in the National Football League that I guarantee you weren't getting weeks of reps with the starters, and they come in and they perform fine. Maybe your personnel needs to be better, but, you know, th it was never a thought to play Cam at guard. No. Um, I mean, he's your best left tackle he option. eight games, by the way. Right. Four and, for the suspension and four with the knee. I mean, look, what what is the future of Walker Little with this football team? That's a really good question because if you had asked me before the season, I would be 99.9% .9 convinced that they were going to move on from Cam after this year. Now I don't think they will at all because Walker Little didn't play great last year. Right, which then in your mind, this past you may period. be earmarking, okay, we're going to pick up $12, $15 million in cap space, right? Yeah, it was 15, 15. from Cam. Yeah. So you go from $25 million under the cap, which is where they're projected right now, to $40 million. All of a sudden, if Walker Little can hold down that spot, now you can add an impact player, you know? That's you could. One less. I'm just saying, in theory. I, I just think that, that 
Cam is still a better option over there. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just talking about how disappointing it is because that's part of your plan is you got to replace. Don't think you don't think in the back of their mind they thought after a couple of years maybe we can move on from Foye Luikin because we'll have Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma to hold down the middle 100%, of the defense. 100%. That's the that was the plan. Okay, so is that the plan now you think? I don't think so now. I wouldn't think so, right? I think they're going to move on from Rayshon because of Antonio Johnson. I think that was 100% and I think they're going to move on from Sheriff. Too. How much of a, a savings is uh Rayshon if you uh, do move on from him? Let me look. I think it's like 9 Seven, nine? Well, if that's the case, then yeah, I would imagine that that would be something that they're looking to do. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, uh, I want to get into with D-Rock. What do you think the dynamic is between Doug Peterson and Trent Balky? And can these guys coexist and be on the same page enough to get the work done that needs to be done to get this team back at least in serious divisional playoff contention to get themselves back in the playoff picture. So we'll talk about that when we come back in a moment. If you want to get on, 641-1010 is the number. Uh, anybody got the uh, – what's the, the – Yeah, it's, it's $9 million if you do it uh, – you designate him a post-June 1. You save $9 million? You save $9 million. If you do it before then, you have $9 million, excuse me, 7 and dead, and you only save 5 Okay. So that's that doesn't make sense. So you probably designate, designate him, him as, as a post, post June, June 1st. Yeah. Which, but you don't get that money until then. Correct. So it doesn't save you any for free it, agency. It, right. It doesn't hit you in free agency, but it may make some of your roster decisions a little bit easier to Right. And and you know, it gives you a little bit of flexibility going into the season and early in the season if you need to add somebody here or there. Like a, an Ezra Cleveland at the deadline, right, or something like know, that. Anybody, certainly literally, not a Jadevian literally Clowney. anybody. I mean, C- certainly not a Jadevian Clowney. Who, you know, I mean, would, the one guy they added, one guy. I know. Well, two, Matt Barkley. <laughs> yes, out of <laughs> ultimate necessity. It'd be snap. like like your kicker breaks his leg. Oh, they added a kicker. Well, yes, they did. At that point, uh, EJ right. Perry was on the roster on the uh, practice squad. He was. He certainly was. You're right. They jumped right past him. Why have him there? Well, 2024 NFL MVP Nathan Rourke is is now with the Patriots. So, oh, he's going to get or a great opportunity with the new head coach. 20, he, he, I think it was. 20, I think I tabbed so, him at 2025. So, NFL all those MVP. years Nathan Rourke wasn't on the Patriots. Belichick didn't get fired. You're saying correct. Okay, coincidence. I think not. All right. Uh, We'll come back and uh, more with Mike DiRocco here. If you want to get in, you know the ways to do it. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Mike DiRocco on Jaguars today is kept comfortable by Lloyd's Heating and Air on 1010XL. All right. We've got a lot to get to here still. We'll get back to your phone calls uh, momentarily. We continue to break down. I see what you're doing. The breakdown. What's he doing? He's playing the breakfast bowl music. Like oh. even, even with no breakfast yeah. bowl going. Yeah. Didn't even uh went oh, yeah. right right past right this particular head. goalie. Right. <laughs> through, through the five hole. Whatever the case. Uh, Tony is your two time breakfast bowl champion. Uh and D Rock is your big breakfast bowl loser for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm a two time last place finisher. As Are well. you? I think I finished last the first year. Did you? All right. Well, there we Congratulations. go. You finished last this week. That's I'm looking forward thing. to my first round pick next year, the number one overall pick. Uh, we, we could absolutely make that happen. <laughs> week one, D-Rock goes first. If we remember the order, 
D-Rock pockets me, Tony will be the mm-hmm. draft order. For week one. Yeah, provided we're all still here. Yeah. For at whatever ta- reason. Tape that so we can know. For whatever I reason gotcha. that would be. All right, let's go around the rest of the National Football League. Now, gems around the NFL. Brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. The New England Patriots and head coach Bill Belichick have reportedly agreed to part ways after 24 seasons together and six Super Bowl wins. Uh, Belichick will have a press conference around noon with the owner, Bob Kraft, of the team, which is when that's expected to be announced officially. Pete Carroll will not be returning for a 15th season as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Carroll will still be working with the organization in a new role as an advisor. Wide receiver Noah Brown and defensive end Will Anderson Jr. along with Jonathan Grinnard all missed practice yesterday for the Houston Texans. Buffalo wide receiver Gabe Davis did not practice on Wednesday due to a knee injury. Cleveland running back Kareem Hunt, tight end David Njoku, and defensive end Miles Garrett were all limited in practice on Wednesday. Wide receiver Amari Cooper has not been able to practice this week due to a heel injury that has kept him out the last two weeks. But as of now, he is expected to be able to play on Saturday against Houston. The Browns have also opened the 21-day practice window for safety Grant Delpit, who was limited in practice yesterday. Devon Achan, Raheem Mostert, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and Jalen Ramsey were all limited in practice on Wednesday for the Dolphins. The Dolphins also signed... Melvin Ingram to their active roster off of their practice squad and A.J. Brown, wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, undergoing an MRI today to determine the extent of an injury to his knee and whether or not he's going to be able to play this weekend at all for the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, I don't know if I've seen anyone picking the Eagles to win that game, by the way. I see a lot of people picking Tampa. A lot of uh, upset picks are Mm -hmm. very popular this week. I don't even know if that's much of an upset. Honestly, with the Eagles uh, doing the Jags and losing five of their yeah, last six. Crawling into the playoffs. Right, for and sure. Tampa pretty hot right now playing at home. Uh, all right, let's get Sean on the south side here. I want to get to D-Rock's thoughts about the relationship between Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke coming up here in a moment. Uh, Sean, you're next on Jaguars today. Go ahead, please. Hey, good morning, guys. How are y'all? Good. What's up, man? All right, man. I just want to um, make a comment um, about uh, Trevor comments the other day. And... Hey. You know, he was saying about, you know, how he don't care about what people say or whatnot. And I'm wondering, are those, is that directed towards the Jags fans? Or is that is that directed towards, like, I guess, like, you know, those, the colleagues out there, you know, the outsiders of Jacksonville? Because that kind of, that, that, that bothers me in a way because I, some of the players that we draft here, they never been to Jacksonville. Some of them probably ain't even, you know, ain't know where we was on the map. But I feel like some of those players, they don't understand, you know, the passion that we have. And, you know, for so long, how, you know, we've just been losing and losing and losing. And, you know, some fans are fed up with it. And then when you show your frustration, you know, you're not a true fan or whatever the case may be. So that is my question. Like, you know, I know y'all not Trevor, y'all can't get in his head, but do you think those comments was directed towards us? or the outside people, and I take y'all comments off that. Okay. I think, I think it was directed towards criticism of him in general. He said it before. I mean, like, look, I don't care what the outsiders think about my performance or what throw I should have made or anything like that. The only ones that matter are my teammates and my coaches. Mm-hmm. So I don't. he wasn't taking a shot at anybody. He wasn't ripping the fans. 
in spe- specifically, but I think you know there's a lot of criticism about Trevor Lawrence out there, whether it's Richard Sherman or whoever else. And he's basically saying, look, I don't listen to the criticism. Y'all can say what you want. It doesn't doesn't impact me in any way. Of course, then he also said he's keeping receipts, but you know whatever. Right. They they all are. <laughs> you know, they all know what's said. Subject. They all know what's being said about them because family and friends tell them. Um, right, but, so yeah. don't, but don't come back with receipts if you don't care what anybody right, says. Exactly. Well, look, yeah, yeah, he wasn't taking a shot at the fans. I think it was just criticism in general. Um, you know that he's not he had in play great. I think more of mistakes. it this year has been pundits. Yes. more than than fans. I think fans of, of every fan base. There are vocal fans that, you know, I, I'm sure there are people. Uh, I would. I'm sure there are people. That, <laughs> I can't wait. I, 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 just, I don't want to go too far with this. That that criticized Patrick Mahomes at points this mm-hmm. year, right, in Kansas City. Like, And I'm not saying that you can't criticize a guy, but – There's you, enough that's there, gone wrong in the offense. The quarterback's going to take some of those If you understand bullets. the circumstance, yeah. though, where he's got a completely unproven receiver group outside yeah. of the tight end and, you know – Who dropped a lot of and, passes. And he's, and he's won a couple of Super Bowls for you. He's multiple-time MVP, all these things. Like – Certain guys, even even a guy like that, I would imagine, has taken criticism. He got criticized for his rant about the officiating call. For sure, he did. He yeah. got hammered about that. Well, but, and, but that that's different to me than yeah. just saying, "Man, Patrick Mahomes has lost it," or whatever. Oh, and, I'm and sure I'm not there are saying, people that are saying, and that. I'm sure there are. Right. There are people yeah. that, no matter how good a player is, no matter whatever, yeah. what have some, you done for me this moment or it doesn't yeah. matter. There's some super small group of fans in Kansas City that somebody's been saying, I told you the whole time, he's not as good as you think he is. There's some group of the fan base that says something that crazy, but there's somebody that's going to say it. And I'm not trying to say that Trevor Lawrence on Patrick Mahomes' level. By no. the way, when I say that, I'm saying if a guy like he – uh, Mahomes it. can get criticized. Anybody is fair game, Absolutely. including Chiefs, Trevor Lawrence. Way, so led the league with 38 drops. Second was Cleveland with 35. Third was Dallas with 32. And fourth, the only other team in the league with more than 30. Your boys. Your boys here in Jacksonville, 31. Yeah. So, all right, uh, D Rock. What is the relationship like in your estimation between Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke? Is it a healthy working relationship? They everyone's always going to say, "Well, you know, it's collaborative. We it's a." You know, every decision's a Jaguar decision, but uh, how how like much are they kumbayaing around yeah, how the little much, campfire? Is there, is Probably there tension not. Or or do you, do you... I think there's always tension when a season doesn't go the way you expect it to go, and this is like the GM and the personnel side are always going to be like, "Hey, we gave you the players," and the coaching side's going to be like. Ah, you didn't give me good enough players. I mean, that's just kind of the way it's going to be. And, you know, you have to sit down and you have to hash it all out together. Um, Look, if there was a rift, a massive rift between these two, then Shad would have to step in and fix that. Or he would have to let one of them go. Um, But I don't sense that it's, that there's a massive rift between them. Like, does Balky think that, that Doug screwed some stuff up this year? Absolutely. Does Doug think Balky screwed some stuff up personnel-wise? Absolutely. But that's, again, that's every year. You know, I think they still have a working relationship that would be, that will allow them to have a productive offseason. How much input 
does Doug Peterson have with Trent Baalke when it comes to making decisions? If the GM's going to have final say on who the 17th pick in the draft is, how much, I mean, you can have input all you like, but if the other guy's got final say and he sees a different, like, you know, is is Trent Baalke trying to mold a team around Doug Peterson's vision for how he wants his offense and defense to operate? I'll say this, Doug Peterson uh, reportedly loved Brenton Strange, loved him in the draft process. So, Brenton Strange is here. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, you're never going to have complete agreement on anything. You know, I think the only time you would have complete agreement was 2021. Doug, why didn't you love Osiris Torrance? Sorry. You know, and and you grafted Trevor. I mean, that, that was it. I mean, there's never complete agreement on other guys. You know, the the coaches will want X, the personnel guys will want Y, and then, you know, the scouts are stumping for the guy they think. So, um, yeah, it, it it's never a – I would be very surprised across the league if there's a thing where the head coach is saying, I want X, and the GM says, I want Y, and they're neither budging, and they go with the GM. But that's what the owner's supposed to do. The owner's supposed to break that tie. Or the EVP, whatever the title is, is supposed to break that tie. But I think that's the rumor of what happened in Carolina. Reich wanted Stroud and owner owner wanted See, Young. Uh, uh, beyond, though, the number one overall pick when it comes to the quarterback and the franchise altering, like, uh, owners shouldn't have any say in any of that. Like, I get it. If you're, if you're taking a guy who's arguably going to be – the guy that we build the entire franchise around for the next half decade plus at a minimum, right? Are you okay with this? Trevor Lawrence, number one pick. I'm not going to Shad Khan, I hope, and going Brenton Strange or Darnell Washington or no. another position or the, he likes the offensive lineman here. I like the tight end. Who do you like? There's compromise. So there's compromise. Between this. But the problem is if you have a situation where the two sides are butting heads – and are completely on opposite ends on a player and who they want, and you don't have an executive vice president of football operations. Then it goes to whoever has the final say. Well, but if you're saying it's a collaborative process, then the guy that has the final There's say somebody, is shod. I don't, I don't buy that. I, I don't. I don't I don't buy that they're going to shod and going, he wants player X, I want player Y. Who do you like? Shod doesn't know who – he shouldn't be right. in the position to be weighing right. in but, on the third-round draft pick. I don't pick, think that that's opinion. happening on a third-round draft pick. Like, coaches don't get the player they like all the time. All the time. Sure. I mean, it because happens. Because the GM usually we, is the one we, who has we final We like say. this guy a little bit better than we like this guy. Well, the personnel people like this guy a little bit better. Eh, he's okay. He's not. You know, there's not that much of a difference. I'm okay with going with that guy. It's the give and take because then you hope, okay, well – you know, the next time there'll be a guy that I like a little bit more than that guy, and I can say, hey, look, we went with your guy here, and we need to go right. with my guy here. Right, so I, I, I got to get one. Yeah, that's how it goes. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, you know, and that's not un- unique here. It's the way it goes across the league. All right, let's take a final timeout. We'll come back, take a look at today's uh, question, the Chad and Sandy Real Estate question of the day. We've all got our thoughts on uh, defensive coordinator, and we'll share those here with you. Still time to get in at 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. If you would like, you're listening to Jaguars today. Keep it right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. 
Mike Tarocco on Jaguars Today is kept comfortable by Lloyd's Heating and Air on 1010XL. All right, down the stretch we come with Mike Duraco of ESPN fame. Big uh, season wrap-up think piece on the Jaguars coming. Possibly tomorrow at ESPN.com, D-Rock? Yeah, possibly tomorrow or Monday. Monday okay. or Tuesday. So coming up in the next few days. Yes, absolutely. All right, we'll look forward to that. Um, the question of the day, once again, uh, we put out there, presented by Chad and Sandy Real Estate. Which of these potential defensive coordinator candidates, if any, would you be the most excited about? For the Jaguars, Jero Averro, who the Jags did seek to interview but were denied the opportunity by Carolina, although that's because they want to interview him for the head coaching job. If he doesn't get it, he may not be retained and may be available. And he's kind of the young guy on this list as well. We wanted to have a younger option. Uh, Leslie Frazier, been around the block plenty. Wink Martindale, who's been around the block plenty, just left the uh, Giants in a – clash of of visions I suppose you could look at it and Ron Rivera most recently head coach of the commanders with a long def- defensive history um why don't we fire up the 1010 take their pockets 1010 1010 take now Mike Dempsey's 1010 take brought to you by JNM Roofing Jacksonville your storm restoration specialists excuse me um I, I went with uh, Leslie Frazier here and I'll tell you why like I've seen some people say I don't want any of these old guys come in. Leslie's in his 60s, right? But look, man, who? how long is Doug Peterson going to be here? We have no idea, right? Two years, three years, five years, ten years? Don't know. Will he get fired next year if they go 5-12? and 12? Don't know. Give me the best guy for the job who I think can come in and contribute right away. Leslie Frazier's most recent stint was as the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, and that was about a five-year run through 2022. Okay, what's the number one job of a defense? To me, keep points off the board, right? And uh, and in today's NFL, look, you want to be good against the pass and the run, obviously. But uh, where do I have the uh, points allowed? Uh, Leslie Frazier in 2021, defense number one in the league in fewest points allowed. Number two in the league in 2022 with the Buffalo Bills. In 2019 with the Bills. So three of his five years – of his tenure. He was also number two. So three of the last five years that he's coached as a defensive coordinator, in fact, three of the last four, uh, he's had a top two defense in terms of points allowed. Uh, generally ranks very highly against the pass as well. Uh, he was number one in 2018 and number 21. Not as good uh, recently against the run. Had some great run-stopping teams with Minnesota in the mid-2000s. But out of those options, look, I- I'm-, I'm open to whomever. Whomever it is, I hope they come in, do a great job. But if I'm picking off that list right now, Tony, Leslie Frazier, uh, his recent success stands out to me the most. Yeah, I don't have a real strong feeling on any of it, right? Like with any of these guys specifically, especially, I'll say Wink Martindale feels like he would be, we've talked about it this week, what's the identity of the team? We've heard fans talking about why doesn't somebody get on somebody on the sideline? I think Wink would. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think that he's a fiery enough guy. He'd have enough of independence on the defensive side of the ball that your side of the ball handle it. Like that that feels like what the defensive coordinator has to do, whoever it is, for Doug Peterson. So Wink makes some sense in that regard. But then you look at what he's done. He had a lot of success with the Baltimore Ravens. Not so much his first year as a DC with Denver. 
Not so much the last couple of years with the New York Giants. He was really good when he had the Ravens <laughs> as his option to be the defensive coordinator for him. I'm not sure. You know, it, it does give me pause with him that he hasn't had a whole bunch of success outside of that one spot. I'd probably lean Leslie Frazier myself in this right now. But again, I think it's all four of them. I could flip a coin. Basically. I think the Wink Martindale thing that uh, it's the – you know, I don't know if he has any relationship really with Doug Peterson and, you know, the idea that uh, Brian Dable was going to move on from a couple of those assistant coaches and that what sent Wink Martindale off. Well, I mean, the head coach has the final say. I don't want to create a separate fight them for Wink Martindale here. No, yeah. And now maybe Doug Peterson wants that. Like, hey, I'm going to pay more attention to the offensive side. I'd like to hire a guy I could turn the defense over to and just kind of be a little bit more hands off and focus on developing number 16 to his full capacity. What's your vote here, D-Rock, if you uh, have one? To me, it's important that I've got a guy coming in that, if I'm Doug, that has a lot of experience in that. I went the first time round. So, Giro Averro's probably off the board. Yeah, well, clearly they wanted to talk to him. Um, right, he, but he's, it, he's probably the hot young guy right now. He's only so. had two years as a D.C., though. Right. Um, I would probably lean toward Leslie Frazier if I were picking from that list. Um Look, I don't know how much longer Doug wants to coach, like you said. And let's be honest, if it's another 9-8, and 8-9, eight, eight they struggle again offensively, struggle again defensively, Shad, you know, we don't know. Shad might pull the trigger um, and get fancy. I, I don't if know. If they go 9-8 and eight three years in a row and Shad fires the I coaches won three years in a row, had a winning record. You, I don't know. I, I, um, I'd be stunned, honestly. Yeah, I, you never, I'm not putting anything past anybody anymore. Uh, in the did, did he learn the Gus Bradley lesson? I mean, how many years did Gus get when Four. he was terrible, so, horrendous? Yeah, I would probably go Leslie Frazier. I think Wink Martindale is a big personality, um, a very big personality. And by the way, which I, doesn't bother me personally, bother me, Doug but Doug is cool I mean, with it. Maybe, maybe you don't want that. I'm more with Tony, 26th ranked scoring defense this year, and that, that went down. He was like mid like middle of the pack. First year with the Giants got much worse this year and then left. Maybe they weren't that upset that he left. I don't know um, how it all worked out. All right. Uh, Leslie Frazier, by the way, pulling down about a third of the vote. 36.7%, 24% with Wink Martindale, 21.4% going with Ron Rivera, 18% with Jero Averro, who probably a lot of people don't know who that is, quite frankly. And mm. and that's understandable, right? I, I get it. Uh, he's not a household name, but he is becoming one of the – hotter names and it is a guy that the Jags have shown some interest in and while blocked at the moment that might not be the case depending on how long the search plays out and how the Carolina head coaching search goes as well all right with all that said let's say hello to XL primetime now the two-minute drill brought to you by tire outlet tire outlet is now hiring visit tireoutlet.com slash careers equal opportunity employer uh, somebody saying much better players in Buffalo. Maybe. that's. I mean, look, but it, what you do with the raw material as well, uh, I think is a big factor in this whole thing. And uh, if you have good players and you get them right near the top of the league rankings, that's what you're supposed to do with those kind of players. So uh, I, I don't 
ignore the fact that it's different personnel they'd be dealing with, certainly. But that would be the case for any of these guys. Mia O'Brien's here with us. Hello, Mia. Hello. I don't know about that. You had a sixth rounder in Buffalo out of Villanova beat out a uh, Florida Gator first round. Okay, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything <laughs> on that talent front. I will refrain on this program. What are you What are you talking about? What? I'm referring to the the sixth round, the kid out of Villanova who beat out Kair Elam, who was yeah. the first round pick of the Bills. Elam was not good. So was I, was, I was referring to like the, when you said like how there's better parts in Buffalo. I was referring to they're finding diamonds in the rough and coaching them up, which is some pretty good. I Somewhat kind of what you want. Um, I mean, what was Matt Milano coming out of college? Okay, but I mean, Daquan Jackson. Like, I mean, uh, a lot of Terrell Bernard. Like, it wasn't Terrell like Terrell Bernard really broke out after Leslie Frazier left. Correct. That's what I'm saying. Right. So, but he wasn't like he was this first round pick. Of the no, Buffalo Bills. No, but I think uh, if we went through Buffalo's personnel in 21 and 22, uh, it would probably match up, I would think, at least favorably with what the Jags have put on the yeah. field. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, either way, we're, we'd be fine with Leslie Frazier. Uh, what's Doug Peterson's relationship like with Trent Baalke, in your opinion? Mm. I would say from the onset, it was a working relationship. Um I, you know, go back to the whole process of how Doug was hired. They stressed that this was 50-50. For me, last year, and obviously last year everything was looked through rose-colored lenses, but I actually have it saved on my phone, the clip from when Doug was mic'd up at the Episcopal School at a training camp practice. And Trent is kind of awkwardly walking around, and Doug goes over to him, pats him on the back, and says, let's smile and wave to the cameras, Trent. (laughs) Smile and wave. And I think you saw through the course of the season – Doug had this uncanny ability to kind of make Trent come out of that turtle shell. Um, And I'm not so sure that's the case maybe this year. Um, I can tell you that it is more of a working relationship than I think some sources are reporting right now. Um, They are working through whatever is going down at Everbank Stadium at the Miller Electric Center right now. I don't think it's as hostile as some people are reporting. All right. And I can tell you that on Intel. Good to know. By the way, Bills last year with Leslie Frazier, defensive line, Greg Rousseau, first-round pick, Ed Oliver, first-round pick, mm-hmm. Von Miller, Hall of Famer, yep. Tremaine Edmonds, first-round pick, yep. Tredavious White, first-round pick, yep. one of the top corners in the league. Um, so Now, granted, I'm sure he helped develop some of the other guys as well, but right. every team's got to He had a lot that. of first-round picks. He had a lot of first-round, and those are pretty much the front-line guys that he was leaning on yeah. uh, back then. And, I mean, anyway um, – Gonna be somebody. I'd be fine with Leslie Frazier. <laughs> it's gonna you know? be somebody. It's gonna be somebody. So I, here we go. Let that me bring up. I'd rather have a guy that's had some success. Let me leave this with, with for you guys because we were talking about this with Coach Campo. Um, obviously, wh- when you look at the coaches that were let go, a trend was that they were former players. There are certainly former players that still remain here in Jacksonville on staff. But is this a push for Doug Peterson from former players turned coaches to I need guys that came up through the coaching ranks? I need guys that are used to grinding tape that will be here till midnight every single night. Is that the shift? If that's the case, I mean, Wing Martindale, in theory, makes a lot of sense. Leslie Frazier is a former player, but certainly has been in the coaching ranks for a long time as well. And so I think that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow as well as we move forward. All right. uh, We've got plenty of time to follow with Mia. Have a great show today. Thank you. We will pay tribute to the GOAT, Nick Saban. Leon Searcy literally brought in fried chicken to celebrate. (laughs) Yeah. Nick gets out when he can't stack his team with all the best players anymore. I see. Level playing field now. I got to go. Time to go. Huh? Did they win? 
Did they win the championship? He's still got a few remnants when he was able to stack his team, D-Rock. He's getting out. Well, now the playing field's leveled. Oh, good time to quit. And don't forget, Bill Belichick had a job till Nathan Rourke got there. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Never got fired before, did he? Not New England, at least. Not New England. All right. Uh, that'll do it for us today. Uh, tongue in, firmly planted in cheek right there. Uh, D-Rock, have a good uh, week, and we'll see you next Thursday. Yes, sir. All right, there he goes. Mike DiRocco, check him out at ESPN.com. He's got a big piece coming out on the Jaguars and how it all came crashing down at the end of the season. That's uh, due in the next few days, so keep uh, refreshing and looking back there. For Tony Smith and Dylan Denmark, I'm Mike Dempsey. Tom McManus joins us in studio tomorrow, so you know it'll be a spirited Friday edition of the program. No keys to victory tomorrow for your Jacksonville Jaguars. Thanks for listening. We'll be back at it again from 10 to noon right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.